Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Welcome aboard, folks. John Grace and Daniel Medina here, my partner in crime at Fiscal Fitness on Voice America. So glad you could spend some time with us this afternoon. It's a wild and wicked Wednesday these days, and it looks like this uh, Delta virus is winning, right? I mean, what is it? what's happening in Florida? It seems to be burning through the population. Uh, it's fueling Florida's worst COVID wave. And I think this is just the beginning. So I'm just going to say, folks, I'm I'm not an epidemiologist, or an MD of any type whatsoever, uh, but I'm going to suggest that you get vaccinated if you if you haven't. Okay, let's just keep each other safe. Uh, let's keep our family safe. I was having lunch uh, just yesterday, talking to a friend whose family originally is from India. Uh, some family are back in India, and the friend was telling me his father-in-law in all of four days got the virus and passed away. Uh, mom has it too. His mother-in-law has it as well, but she seems to be weathering that storm better than his father-in-law did, who of course is now gone. And I just look at that going, it's it's amazing that this is a, a disaster of epic proportion. It, it, is, it is life unlike anything we've ever seen before, but clearly it has an agenda to grow and divide and conquer. And I'm afraid that's exactly what it's doing. So Let's do all things we can to stay safe, uh, mask up, double mask, and get vaccinated and, and make sure that the people we care about do exactly the same thing because we want you here to survive and thrive whatever nature might throw at us or whatever mechanical situation that might be in our path from man or nature. That's, that's our whole agenda. What we're going to cover today are three topics. We'll, uh, of course, open with what we see in terms of what's going on in the market. Then we'll get into the five impacts the pandemic has had on Baber Boomer's retirement plans. It's kind of good to see what's going on out there. We also want to identify six or seven questions that your financial advisor should have asked you. And if uh, that financial advisor has not, we're going to say it's time to give them a call or to go to some place that where that person will ask you the questions and you don't have to feel as though you're leading them because frankly, they should be leading you. And then we wanna talk about the angst of August. It seems that August and September tend to be uh, traditionally over the last hundred years or so, the two most negatively volatile months in the history of the stock market. So we want to uh, look at the areas that seem to have performed the worst because it seems as though since 1970, there have been uh, the final three months of a bull market since 1970, four sectors have performed the worst. We'll identify the sectors, but more importantly, we will identify how you can be prepared for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen. And I'll always remember, in fact, Daniel started with Investors Advantage here in Southern California back in uh, 2006. So just in time to witness 2008. And I will tell you when we would go to lunch, it was uh, amazing to watch what would happen as the market was closing. 
and, and, and from the standpoint that the bottom, there didn't seem to be a bottom day after day after day. I'm sure Daniel remembers that vividly. I know I do. I'll never forget it. And those are the kinds of situations where we want you to be whole as opposed to going down like the Titanic, never to see light at the end of the day. So that's the whole idea. How might we be prepared? And, there, and the good news is we don't leave money on the railroad tracks. We don't leave you and your money uh, in the, uh, the roller coaster car. Uh, we want you to define when you want out, and there are ways that that can be accomplished systematically, uh, automatically, behind the scenes, so that instead of holding shares, you can lighten up the share number and move to cash, money market, like a bank account. And that way, is uh, we found, uh, this isn't our first time to the rodeo, it's been a very good way of uh, moving out of the way of the disaster and sitting in cash to watch what unfolds becomes a lot more interesting when you're the spectator as opposed to the main character. It's not for everybody, but for those who hate losses more than they love gains, it, it seems to have worked really well in the times that we have been through before. So looking at the market, we see from the year to date, that's of course January 1 through uh, today, and the market's gonna close in about 52 minutes. Great day for the Dow. It gets a little more interesting, so don't turn off there. Up 200, nearly 218 points, and year-to-date up 15.8%, almost 8, 9%. So we're, we're rallying around what could turn into be 16%, which of course is a great year-end number, and that's just from January 1 through August 11th. So far, so good. The similar story with the S&P 500, uh, it's up about nine and a half, uh, but year-to-date, it's up 18.3. Then when we turn to the NASDAQ, guess what we find? The exact opposite. And by that, I mean good numbers, but a loss today. And this is the kind of situation that we really focus on. Because when you see the Dow up over 200, NASDAQ up 10, and the NASDAQ, of course, that's uh, technology stocks, off. In other words, in the red, when everything else is in the green, that is a bit disturbing for us. Sometimes this shows separation happening. In other words, people focus on like uh, what we did in 002, the, the dot-com stocks, right? They were the, the top five were leading the market and people just made it out to be that that was the case for the whole market. And guess what? It was not. The whole market was not participating as the top five or 10 stocks happened to be participating, hitting new highs. And, and, and right now, I think we could be very well. It could be an a, a intraday high for the S&P 500. But this is something that you want to really focus on because it, it often leads people to become complacent where they go, oh, it's up. There's nothing to worry about. And then it turns around and bites you in the assets, if you will. So uh, watching the, the, the NASDAQ in, in negative territory is uh, something we'll be keeping our eye on. But, but, but as I say, the real question becomes how much loss can you accept and what can you do to move your money out of the track, off the track, so let the trade run, but it doesn't have to take your money with it. So let's identify the five impacts the pandemic had on baby boomers retirement uh, plans here. Daniel with Money Talks as our primary saw, uh, source. You, you like uh, counting things <laughs> and you have five uh, impacts here. W what's the first one? First one, well, it's I think it's a great topic because we're we're not out of the woods yet with the pandemic, and it seems like cases going back up, shutting down is possible again. So everything we're talking about is so pertinent that it might be getting worse in the near future, because uh, we could be in for a while of this of this. And if you weren't prepared for the last time, 
last time we shut down, it's only going to get worse and worse as we as as we continue, as we continue to go through this. So as we what we've seen is boomers have been impacted particularly hard because they're sandwiched between their kids and their parents a lot of the times, and now they're having to help other people. So if you're a boomer and you're at home and you're you're doing whatever you're doing and your kid comes to you for help or your parents need help, then obviously you're going to help them. And that's been a huge impact on a lot of people. So the first thing that's changed is how people have, have changed their top priority for retirement. Going back prior to the pandemic, the number one thing that people said that was non-negotiable was their financial independence by uh, 56% of people that were surveyed. Today, that's not the case. Today, it's actually spending time with family and, and grandkids. When you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. We've been so restricted over the last couple of years now on family gatherings and gatherings in general that spending time with family members, it's no surprise to me that that's become the top priority. Fascinating. So it was 56% in terms of people wanting to uh, enjoy financial security and their independence. Now it's like uh, 43%. We want to be connected again. We want to be with our family while we can. Is that the, is that the case? That's pretty much the case. That's, that's the way I interpret it, at least. Let, okay. me spend, let me spend time with my family. <laughs> right. So going into retirement, that's, that's their top priority at the moment. Their second priority is now, is now uh, fi- financial stability. So it's first spending time with family, second being financially independent, uh, stable and independent. Third on that on that particular list of priorities is maintaining an active lifestyle. Again, makes a lot of sense given where we've been at for the last two years. Fourth on that on that list of priorities is, is being able to travel, and fifth is living close to family and friends, which is different than spending time with family, but living close to them. That's that social interaction. Again, not surprising to me at all that that's that that made that list. Interesting. So some things are kind of rotating around, but change is in the air. Change is in the air. The only constant is change. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Uh, Second thing, uh, they've they've ended up supporting family members. Again, that makes a lot of sense given where we've been at for the last couple of years. And 41% of people surveyed in this study say that they've had to support family members. And I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen with my parents and my brother. It's just one of those things that just, when they come looking for help, that's what, that's what parents do. And what that means, of course, for so many people is they have an idea of when they want to become financially independent and something comes up either with the children or the parents, and it just changes your, not only your perspective, but your whole focus on what you're going to do you or your spouse may be the one who suddenly has to come home or has to spend more time at home to be with the people that are important to you. Right. <clears throat> makes a lot of sense. Uh, third on this list is actually an important one for us. People have not been able to save as much for retirement, which makes, which again, makes a lot of sense when you're, when you're, when you have to support your, your kids or your parents or family members, whoever it is, those things are going to suffer. I was talking to a client uh, yesterday and he got laid off during the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic. So all the retirement contributions had to stop. They canceled their life insurance. They went on for, forbearance on their mortgage. And the priority becomes just staying afloat. 
So all those things that, that seemed optional at the time just went out the window. So now they're back, they're back to working, they're back to, they're trying to get back on track. So we're talking about getting, getting those contributions back up and starting insurance again. But those are things that have been put on hold and baby boomers, 75% say that they've saved less for, for retirement. At the time, it seemed like the thing that you had to do. And hopefully it's not, it's not, hopefully they can get back on track at some point and get back to saving and, and be able to retire financially with financial stability, but now it puts everything in jeopardy. And if we're back in this for another year or two, now everything becomes, goes up in the air. Well, and let's just point out folks that it's important not only to save, but where you are saving. Okay. And how much are you saving? Those are two very important questions that most people spend little or no time. They say, well, I can save 700 bucks a month. It just, it comes out of their minds and, you know, but they don't know if this is sufficient. And by doing the math, and that's what Daniel's really good at, we can help people see how much do you need to make work optional on your timeline when you want to make this uh, an option as opposed to uh, just throwing money somewhere and hoping it goes up, but not knowing if it's going to hit the target because you don't have a target. It's helpful to have a target. You're, you're definitely right, John. Different pots of money have different purposes. So where you put the money makes, makes a huge difference. Uh, you should have so much in your savings account uh, as, as far as target, let's call it $3,000 as a target. And then everything else go, should be going to investments or retirement accounts or somewhere else. But saving in other places makes makes a big difference to your long-term projection because we don't we don't want lazy we don't want you to have a lot of lazy money if you got fifty thousand dollars in savings and it's all sitting in the bank account not not doing anything for you you're kind of hurting yourself there what do you think of the notion you should have six months of savings in cash everybody i I, i like the idea but i don't like having that much in cash for the most part so let's say if you're let's say your income is I don't know, $3,000 a month. So six months of cash is $18,000. That's a lot of cash to have in the bank. When are you going to need that much cash in one shot? There's just not many instances where you're going to need $18,000 right now. You need, it, you need to have it somewhere where you can put your hands on it within a couple of days. Because those kinds of, those kinds of things are you need a new roof or there's a medical expense or some kind of emergency, but usually you'll need it in a few days or a week. You'll have some lead time where, you'll need, where you need to know it. You need, need to spend that money, but there's just not many instances where you're going to need that much cash right away. Those are smaller, usually smaller emergencies. You need to buy a tire for the car because it blew out, or you need a hospital. There's a hospital bill, that, emergency bill that you got to pay right away. But it's not usually an eighteen thousand dollar expense for if you're making three thousand dollars a month. So we want you to have it somewhere where you can put your hands on it, but not that it's that's being lazy. So in a case like that, we might suggest having one month's worth of expenses in the bank in in your savings account, and the rest of it having in a brokerage account where it's working for you, where it's doing something, but it's not sitting in cash making 0.01% right now on a money market account. Well, the truth is folks, even back in the early eighties, uh, 16% on your CD, the interest rates, but what's a great interest rate. People wonder if we can go back to those good old days. They don't remember that you're at a 70% tax bracket, federal alone, and inflation was 14%. So you were upside down about four and a half when, rate, when CD rates were just fantastic. And it's, we got to do the math. And what we're saying with lazy money is when it's after tax and inflation, you're losing money. That's exactly what you're trying to avoid. And sitting in a place where after tax and, and inflation, you're losing money. That's what you're doing. And you will not make it up with volume. 
Can you wrap up with the last two points so we can go to break, uh, Daniel? Sure can. Uh, the next one is uh, boomers have delayed their plans to move. 65% of people surveyed in this study say that they've delayed their plans to move. Moving becomes because moving happens for a lot of reasons. Downsizing, uh, going somewhere, somewhere cheaper or somewhere out of state, or moving closer to family sometimes. For whatever reason, moving tends to be a big prior, priority for a lot of people when they go into retirement. And 65% of people said they've delayed those plans for whatever reason. Well, I'm making money. Why would I move? So, so what's the last one? <laughs> Reevaluating their finance, their retirement finances and expenses. This is a good one for no matter when the time. You should always be looking at this. How much money are you really spending today? How much are you, are you, do you expect to spend in retirement? And where is that money going to come from? How are you going to finance your lifestyle? And do you really are you do you know exactly how much you're spending? That's a good yeah. thing. All right, so we'll leave uh, that first segment right there. We'll be back for the second segment right after this important message. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance. Coupled with a sound plan for the future, with the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit ybpoor.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's ybpoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grayson, Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. Delighted you could spend some time with us for our hour from 12 to 1. This on Wednesdays, you can count on us being here for you. We want to turn our attention to the six questions. There might be seven questions that your financial advisor may not have asked you. And if that's the case, it's time for you to ask them uh, or to go someplace and get a second opinion. Because I will say to you, after only being in the business since 1979, that most of our peers have great intention, uh, 
um, great intentions and they have uh, great credibility. They're all credentialed in many cases, certainly well-educated. They, they speak well and we won't embarrass you at a wedding or your kid's uh, party, right? And we won't use bad language, but I will also say that we tend to be lazy. <laughs> That's the truth. All we want to talk about is stocks for the long haul, hold and hope, sit and take it. Uh, and how's your vacation? Okay. Uh, but they don't really ask some of these hard questions. For example, what was your experience working with advisors in the past like? And what would you like this experience to look like? That's a one-two punch question, but it's an excellent way to kind of help you pose the question to yourself and answer it out loud in front of your trusted financial advisor about uh, how it has, what, what it was like in the past and how you want it to be, uh, what, how do you want things to work in the future? In other words, what'd you learn from the past? We don't need to repeat it, but in America, I think we're particularly good at repeating the past because we don't learn from it. And now what do we want to make sure happens in the future so we can take the past, learn from it and make the future significantly different or meaning more meaningful to you as far as uh, where do we go from here? What do you see? You like these lists, Daniel, for number two. Well, that first one I think is actually, it's really, really important. It's something I like to ask every time we, we take on a new client, what has your experience been like and what are your expectations? Um, every financial planner and advisor are, are, is different. And uh, sometimes you, you run into advisors and planners who call themselves advisors and planners, and sometimes they're, they're insurance agents only. So you never know what someone's experience with our, with our businesses. So we like, I like to know what their experience was and what their expectations were. I remember one time we were, we were talking to a client and he was telling us that they had worked with their neighbor and they put their money to work in some mutual funds and never talked to them again. And money went down in 2008. And he was mad because he saw his neighbor going in the house every day and never mentioned that his money was going down. Well, that's not the kind of planner that this person needs. He needs someone that, that's going to that's gonna talk to him and, and give him a lot of guidance. So it's important for us to know what the expectations are so we can try and tailor the service specifically for you. And we can also get, get on the same page as far as what, what, what experience we're going to deliver because expectations are very important. Like how often do you want to meet in a, in a annually, right? Yeah. Is, it year? is it quarterly? Is it monthly? We, we need you to tell us, we should be asking you those kinds of questions so that you can feel like you're being served you're being well-served and your expectations are being met with the data that you want to reflect on to see that you're making the progress or adjustments need to be made accordingly. Yeah. Some clients almost never want to hear from us. So we reach, we reach them every, everyone once a year and some clients want to want us to talk to them all the time. So it's, I mean, it's a very, that's a very important question that I think everyone, everyone that works with a financial advisor needs to have an understanding on what the expectations are on both sides. So number two, Yes. Number two, number two on this list is what are your short and long-term goals? Crucial question. Most people don't spend any real time talking about um, goals and goals are very important because we have, we need something to, to, to measure against or to plan for. And there's a big distinction between your short-term goals and your long-term goals. Short-term goals might be something like buying a car or saving for education. Long-term goals are usually retirement planning or, or uh, estate planning. Very different ways to plan for those. From our perspective, if we're talking about short-term money, we're going to be much more conservative with short-term money versus long-term money. If you're telling me you need uh, $5,000 to put in a down payment for a car in a year, that's not money we're going to invest. 
we're going to leave that pretty safe because we don't want to see any real volatility there. That's a short-term goal. And when we say volatility, folks, of course, we're talking about negative volatility. You don't want the down payment. Yeah, yeah, 5,000 to wake up and it's 2,500. Oh, no, that's not what I wanted to have happen. Right. Now now our down payment has been cut in half and we don't have the time to make it up because you need to buy a car next month. So that's that's money that we want want to invest. But if we're talking about long-term money, like for retirement, makes a really big difference. Our long-term goals we're going, typically we're going to be more aggressive with. And the way I like to put it to clients is let's say you have, let's say you have $100,000 in your retirement account today, in your IRA. You're working, you're making contributions, so you're not going to need this money for 30 years. Um, if your $100,000 goes to $200,000 tomorrow, does it make a difference in your lifestyle? And the answer is no. You love to see it. We all love to see it, but it's not going to make a difference in your lifestyle on your lifestyle. On the other side, let's say it gets goes down to 50,000 the next day. Does it make a difference in your lifestyle? You hate to see it. We don't want to see that, but it's not going to make a difference in your lifestyle because that's not money you're going to need in the next 30 years. So does it really matter what the value is today? No, it's more about the long-term planning goals. We're trying to maintain an average rate of return. And, that, and from year to year, those returns are going to be all over the place. We're going to have down years, we're going to have up years. But it's very important to make a distinction between our short-term and our long-term goals. Good point. What's number three for financial success? What does success in retirement look like, look like for you? I like this question because it's very open-ended. It's not specifically about money and we're money guys. So we tend to default to money. So what's, what does it look like financially? But that's not what the question really is. It could be a lifestyle. It could be financial security. It could be spending time with the grandkids or traveling, but we need to know what success looks like to you so we can figure out how to, how to make it successful. A lot of times for us, it means not running out of money. That's the way we define success. But for other people, it may not mean that specifically. It may mean being able to travel. Now, again, that goes back to the money part and being able to afford to travel, but that's not necessarily success for you. So that's how we have to orientate those goals, those those long-term goals. And when it comes to the question of I'm going to run out of money, we're going to ascribe an age that we want to get to, at least a goal, a very specific one. And we generally make it 100. And when people get into their 80s and 90s, we push that out five years and then another five years if we get that far. But the last thing we want to do is have a conversation, particularly with men, we have this conversation. Well, my dad died at 59, so I'll be good if I make it to 60. And by the way, folks, every man who has shared that story with me, guess what? They made it past the age they knew they were going to die. So the last thing we're going to do is design a plan that says, okay, you have to die at age 69. That's when you said you were going to die. So that's just what you have to do. So if we want you to figure out, wait, no, let's make it so that it's age 100. If you get past 69, you knew that was going to be the age that you died and then you didn't, you don't have to look for a job <laughs> that you can't take or get or certainly make the kind of money that you made five years ago or 10 years ago. We're going to look at it from age 100 and then we're going to look at it from the odds in terms of the ratios. Is it 20%? We like to see the number north of 80%. Looks like we're covering our bets anyway, we can, every way we can, so that when the unforeseen happens, it doesn't kick you to the curb. Yeah, so that retirement success is important. It's a great point, John, because you're, you're, you're so right. A lot of times we have the conversation 
as far as how long we're planning for. And we always go minimum age 100. And a lot of people want to argue us, well, I'm not going to live that long. Well, you tell us how long you want to live and we'll plan specifically for that age. But yeah, good luck you, with that. But what if you live longer? We, want to, we don't want you to run out of money by that. We, we want your money to outlast you in all cases, no matter if you live to 50 or to 120. We want your money to outlast you. That's, that's from our perspective. That's success. Bingo. What's number question. four? Yes. How, how do you respond to big market downturns? This is an interesting question because there's a big difference between how people respond hypothetically and in reality. A lot of times people like to think that they, they can weather, uh, they can see a big downturn, call it 20% or 35% and be okay with that. But then when they actually see the downturn, sometimes it's from a dollar standpoint, when they see that money loss, it's more than that, that they can really stomach. So this is sometimes a hard question to answer. I know we had that experience uh, last year with some clients where we invested some money and we, we, we went over the scenarios and hypothetical losses. And first quarter last year, we saw a 35% downturn in the market. So some of those accounts were off, were off any whatever percentage. And we got calls from clients saying, hey, this, is, this was more than I, could, than I can stomach. Yeah, they're kind of like saying, I, I lied. I said it was going to be this number hypothetically. Now the reality is that it, we're, we're at my threshold. What can we do? And that's right. important for you to recognize. Yeah, and it's not, it's not a good thing or a bad thing, but it's important for us to know where, where, the, where those limits are because we, we need to invest you accordingly. If you, can't, if you can't mentally see a loss of 50%, we shouldn't have you in investments that could be off 50%. We always want to see those gains, but we have to be very conscious of those downturns too. And this is interesting, folks. When Daniel joined Investors Advantage in late 06, we, uh, I always talk about this conference that we attended where the primary speaker asked a, a question I had never heard before, and, and he put it together really well. He said, we've seen one 50% loss. Just suppose there's two 50% losses in the same decade. And I, on the way back to the office, I said to Daniel, that was a God, gosh darn good question. We need to look at this. We need to get people prepared because it could happen. Who knows? Sure enough, right almost on, on cue, uh, we saw two 50% losses, the first 0002, the second 0708. And now if you weren't uh, spending that money, you didn't care. You don't even remember it. But let's suppose you were taking withdrawals. Guess what? In that environment with two 50% losses in the same 10-year period, only a four, three or 4% withdrawal, it's debilitating. And your chances of getting back to even as you're taking those withdrawals, what do you ascribe them to, Daniel? How high are those probabilities, do you think? <laughs> I wouldn't say zero, but very low. Very close to zero, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Very close to zero. And then suppose it happens again, and that's my point. Let's look at history, let's learn from history, and let's see what we can do to be prepared for these events that are outliers, but they do happen. This COVID thing, it's an outlier, but it's happening, and it's getting badder and badder. <laughs> so what's number five, Daniel? What type of portfolio risk are you willing to take? Similar question. And the way I would pose this question is from a dollar standpoint, how much do you, are you willing to risk on your portfolio? If we're talking about 100,000, what is a, a possible downturn that you could stomach? Is it 20,000? Is it 10,000? Is it 50,000? What's your downside limit? And this goes back to number four, because when we actually experience those downturns, you're going to be able to tell us if that was too much or not. Uh, we've also had the other experience where people were, could be more risky 
going through a downturn, they they realize they could be more more aggressive than than where we had them. That's that's great news for us, but we need to know where that downside risk is, and then we can tailor our portfolio to match that risk. That's our agenda, to do what we can to help you set parameters and then see what we can do so the portfolio might actually perform within your parameters as opposed to the market activity, okay? And of course, people love 10% returns, but many of them say, but I don't want to take any risk. We got to recognize risk and reward go hand in hand. You know, getting up in the morning is risky. Going to bed at night is risky. Uh, we take risk all the time, but we have to really assess what kind of uh, risk we're willing to accept. And we like to look at it in, in a number of ways so that people really can understand it's it, it the accounts performing, well, let's say the market first quarter 2020 was off 20% and your account was off 2%. That probably wouldn't disturb you. If it was off 20%, that might disturb you. But that's the kind of thing that we like for people to really assess as best they can. And, and they can change their minds as, as their reality changes from the standpoint of the losses that they experience. Fluid conversation. This is, you're right. This is a conversation we'd like to have once a year or, or maybe even more often, but people's risk tolerance change as their situation changes. As they get older, as an example, people tend to get more conservative. That's just the nature of life. Not always the case. Sometimes people get more aggressive, but sometimes, a lot of times they tend to get more conservative. So we need to change the portfolio to make sure we're staying on top of where your risk tolerance is. What happens far too often for people is they they set up their, their investments and they never make changes to them. So they set them up when they were 20 in their 401k and now 30 years, years later, they're the exact same as they were. Well, maybe that did great and maybe things have changed, but no one, no one looked at it. So what, what are, you, are, you really, are you really helping yourself? We've got two more. What's six? Sure. What did you do with the last time you got a raise or came into some extra money? Uh, important question for us because it gives us an idea on how you treat money. If you tell us you saved it, that tells us a lot about your how you feel about deferred gratification. Can you save money? Can you put money away? It, for, the, for, for a lot of people, they take that money and they spend it. That tells us we need to be, we need to be not more stern with you, but maybe a little more direct with you on, on the importance of saving that extra money. Some of the clients that we've done that have done the best for us are the ones that took the, the, that extra money, that raised the raises they got, and they just saved it. They were already good on what they were living with. They just took that extra money and just saved it. it helps us figure out how, how we're going to deal with you as a client. And it helps us uh, be on your side of the equation from the standpoint of being conscious. Sometimes we see people where they have a good uh, retirement. They have a good pension. Uh, and on top of uh, thinking of one lady right now, I think the pension was about $7,000 a month for a single woman. And in addition to that, she was going through another $5,000 a month as a single woman. And then she gave us permission to kind of pour through her checkbook. And we find that she's re well retired, but she bought a lot of clothes. And she's like, ooh, I didn't realize that. So it's about being conscious in terms of what your, what your habits are. And sometimes we need to change those habits or adapt them. When you're making a lot of money, you can spend a lot of money on clothes you might never wear. But when your your income is limited, uh, then maybe you need to curtail some of that behavior and recognize that I don't need to dress up like I used to. Who am I going to impress? I'm retired. I can wear shorts and a t-shirt and go everywhere. Okay. 
Yeah, number seven. We're going to add one here, folks, uh, because one of the things we think you should be asking and we think your advisors should be reflecting with you on the question, how did your account do first quarter 2020 when the market, if I'm not mistaken, was off about 35%? How far off was your account? If we don't learn from the past, we're destined to repeat it. And then go back to even 08. We were talking, Daniel and I, with one gentleman who's very astute and the market was off 37%. This gentleman discovered to his horror that his account was off 48%. That's right, 48% from January 1 through 2008. So it's healthy and helpful to go back to see how bad was the damage in my experience. Exactly. Don't just gloss over it and say, oh, I'm back to even. In fact, I'm ahead of where I was before. Because as I say, if that's what happened the last time, off 48%, when the grits hit the pan the next time, what makes you think you're going to hold up better than you the next time than you did the last time? In fact, I think it's reasonable to expect you'll probably have the same, if not identical, experience, right? Deja vu all over again. So it's healthy and helpful to go back to see how bad did it get? Was that okay with me if it happens in the next six months, let's say? Or shall we put some limits to my losses, some stop losses in the equation? How can I limit those that experience so that I don't have to need a Hail Mary pass just to get back to into the game? That's what we want to avoid. So go back and look at your losses as far back as you can and then see if there might have been something you could have done then that maybe you can do now. So then the event, the this kind of event happens again, you're better prepared to have your mark your assets not handed to you. You can keep them intact. All right, we're going to put it there. And then we've got uh, one more uh, area we want to look at in terms of what's going on behind the scenes in the market, which we will do right after this quick break. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit ybpoor.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's ybpoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. This is John Grace and Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. Uh, again, we're glad you could spend some time with us. And we are here every Wednesday from 12 to 1 Pacific. Uh, same back channel, same back station. So come on back next Wednesday and we'll be delighted to pick up where we left off. In fact, we're going to look at a couple of case studies that I think helps picture things, frame the picture, right? To really get a sense for what, is this all, what does all of this mean to me? Uh, one of the things that we follow is the work of Helene Meisler uh, at Real Money. And she has an indicator that she says she rarely checks. Uh, she checked it uh, just on the about seven days, uh, yeah, a week ago. Uh, and, and, and here's what she has found. She's looking at the percentage of stocks trading over their moving 250-day average lines. Now, this is a little technical, but let's see if we can make some sense out of it. What, what we're looking for is the kind of thing that uh, can be these separations, like we were talking earlier with the Dow and the S&P being in pretty solid positive territory for the, for the day, but the NASDAQ's in negative territory. That may help us understand what's really going on behind the scenes. So what she finds is that on her Twitter feed, that there was a large percentage of people who were looking for the next 100 points in the S&P to be down. And that was, uh, that was they thought that the, the market would rally on, on Monday, but it actually arrived uh, last Tuesday. And what's so interesting is that the folks who seemed so gloomy on the weekend, uh, and then Tuesday arrived and everyone just goes from gloomy to excited, <laughs> just like that human nature. So uh, she says that someone pointed out to her that stocks had only known one direction in the last year. And that, of course, was up. That's one of the things that concerns us. We've seen a, a lot of money, particular millennial money that has come into the market in various places since the low, of, I believe, was hit March 23rd, 2020. And what that means is everything's been like trees growing to the sky. So a lot of folks have put a fair amount of money, a lot of money, all cumulatively, in places where they've only seen gains. And we've recognized that, that that's, that's a call for concern because they, don't have, they haven't had any experience with downdrafts. They haven't seen a 40, 50, 80% loss. And more importantly, because they haven't seen it, they don't expect it, which means they're not prepared for it which we think leaves them in a position where they're in that, what I call that OS moment. And of course that means, oh shucks. Uh, and, and we've seen some young people lose a, a, a significant amount of money. We think that the uh, environment is ripe for that kind of occasion to happen again. That's why we spend so much time with you and along with our clients, helping people prepare for losses that might occur, number one. And number two, doing what we can to potentially limit those losses so that well, how do they, how's it go? If you find yourself in a ditch, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. When the market starts going down, it keeps digging and it takes your money with it. So at what point do you want the digging to stop, the negative experience to uh, cease and to get back to even? As I say, we want to limit the losses so we don't need that Hail Mary pass just to get back to even. So what we're finding is, is fascinating looking at these charts that uh, Helene Meisler has, uh, is, is showing. And what she's showing is the New York Stock Exchange percentage of stocks above 200 moving averages. And we're seeing significant declines as compared to 
2021 in February, in August, we're seeing significant declines. What this means is on a year-to-date basis, we had 88% of the stocks of the New York Stock Exchange that were over their 200 moving average flying back in January and February. But now that is down to 72%. And the low reading thus far was uh, in mid-July where that index was at 68%. So that shows us that we were at nearly 90%. Now we're not at 70%. That's, uh, that might be a canary in the, in the coal mine. So then she went further and looked at the percentage of stocks trading over their 50-day moving average lines that they thought they, it would be more sideways. But when she looked more closely, she says, I was wrong. They too peaked back in January at about 85% and hit a low in mid-July near 25% and is now at 47%. So a lot of separation taking place. And to that point, one of the things that we like to address and keep our eye on is market breadth. That's B-R-E-A-D-T-H. We want more as opposed to less. Right now, it looks as though we're actually having the exact opposite. Uh, that uh, the, the And this is happening with the, the, the Dow as well as the, the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ is showing an increasing number of new lows. And in fact, in this chart, we see that we got about to 300 in mid February 2021, uh, got down to about 80 or so uh, with uh, new lows uh, in uh, before the beginning of April. But now we are at over near, well, we're over 360 uh, in terms of new lows uh, that with the NASDAQ. So that's, uh, that's not a good sign. Uh, it, this is something we'll keep our eye on. We'll keep reporting to you, but we're just trying to give you a perspective that when things are going up, everybody wants in, We everybody loves a melt up, but few of us are prepared for a meltdown. Uh, our research team again says that when this thing comes unglued and it is not uncommon over the last hundred years where the, the ungluing happens most dramatically in the months of uh, August and September. So stay tuned. This COVID event is going to continue to be a disaster of epic proportions. So while we all want to get out of lockdown and have a new experience, it's certainly not done with us. So we don't know how that's going to play out, but it becomes very, very important for folks to not try to predict the future, but to prepare for it and to really take the time, as we talked about a little earlier, to look at the past, see what's going on today and see how you might be better prepared for these events that may occur to the downside and keeps you from having a nice day. <laughs> we all want to have a nice day, but you know, if it is the case that we see some significant losses in our portfolios and the portfolios don't seem to be responding quick enough, and I mean, sometimes that takes years, we often get disenchanted, certainly unhappy, and it's hard for us to envision being happy again when we don't see our accounts responding the way we would like for them to within our time frame. In other words, and sometimes that, that takes years. We, we've talked here before about looking at uh, what happened with the Dow. That was the only real index back in the time of the depression. Uh, stocks took in some reports 20 to 25 years to get back to even. Well, if you were 70 and it took 20 to 25 years, well, yeah. And, and by the way, the life expectancy in the early 1900s in America was all of 57, if I'm not mistaken. So what that means is, it, from my perspective, a lot of people died with regret. 
because they had a million dollars. It was off uh, 85%. That took it down to about $108,000. Uh, and, and that's assuming we didn't take any money out. It also assumes that we kept the same stocks that just dropped 85%. It took 25 years for that account to come back even. Again, assuming no money was spent and the same stocks that just crushed you held took 25 years to get back to even. If you're taking money out, then that chance of getting back to even is certainly in peril uh, and it may never occur. That's what really drives us where events happen and people really live with regret and die with regret. So that's why we would put a big focus on why it's so important to recognize, hey, what happened in the past? Could I live with that event happening again? The last two times the market was off 50%, I was making money, I was contributing to my account. I don't even remember it, but it did happen. Let's suppose, let's be ridiculous. Uh, this is completely hypothetical, but it's healthy to see different options in terms of what might occur. If it is the case that you're taking out a modest two, three, four percent from your account, whatever the account value might be, and you go through in real life to one, let alone two 50% losses, what's your plan for recovery? That would be second. What's your plan to limit the losses? That's number one. And then part of that becomes how important is that to you? When do you want to really look at this? After the crash or before? We certainly like working with people who want to be uh, foresighted, look around the curve as much as they possibly can, put as much light on the subject, turn on the high beams, turn on the GPS, see that there's an object in the road ahead, two miles ahead of us. <laughs> and that gets us better prepared with our minds to go, I better keep my eyes open. I'm not sure what's ahead, but I don't want to hit it. <laughs> and I don't want it to hit me. Whatever it is, I don't want it to interfere with my driving experience. I do not want to take the time to go through whatever that might turn out. So we are happy to uh, take your questions and we appreciate the questions that you pose. It can be done by uh, email. Uh, you can call us while we're on the show. What's the uh, address for email uh, questions, Daniel? You can contact us at contact at ybpoor.com. You can always find our website at ybpoor.com. W-H-Y-B-E as in Edward, P as in Paul, double O-R.com. Thank you. And we're, we'll continue to provide financial services, uh, financial planning services at no cost to all essential workers in the country. And what that means is we will take 90 minutes in office or on Zoom and help you prepare, plan your financial success. It has three parts to it, the way we do it. First, we bother to do the plan and our trademark is the proof is in the planning. We put a high value on doing the planning work up front because we see so many occasions where people just throw money in places and they cheer when it goes up, they cry when it goes down, but they don't see their target. You've got to see the target. So the planning is about putting the target in place. If you're whatever age it is you are today, at what point would you like to make work optional? How much money in today's dollars would that take? We'll account for inflation. We'll account for any contributions or money that you're expecting, like from a pension. Want to include Social Security. Make sure that you look at your Social Security options. Uh, because you can't exercise them after, well, you can, we would suggest that you start Social Security at 70, but some people want to start Social Security as early as possible. You want to look at both sides of that equation before you sign up for just accepting your benefits. Meantime, you do want to go to ssa.gov and see that you are getting all the credit that you have earned for your, the income. 
since you've been paying into Social Security. If, they're, if they don't have it correct, that is your responsibility to make sure that it is correct. And then the second part of the equation becomes, and forbid, whether you're married or not, if you have two incomes in the household, if uh, one breadwinner goes to heaven, what is the survivor going to need financially to keep things going? Either side of the equation, for example, with one uh, essential worker, I believe they're, she's making about 60000 a year. He's making $40,000 a year. For the first part, they now see that they need $2.6 million to make the equivalent of $100,000 uh, accounted for their accounting for their uh, pension, small pension, and, and some Social Security. We'll, we we designed the difference to see that they need to set aside. Well, I think it was thirteen hundred dollars a month. Get a seven percent return in thirty years. They're on track. But that's something you want to review because things change. And then if if in the event that he needs all of her sixty thousand dollars income, what that means is that he needs one point five million dollars worth of insurance on her life today. Four percent withdrawal is sixty thousand. Now he knows, I present the death certificate, I put this money to work, I work to make sure that the money's earning six, seven, maybe better than that on an annual basis, I keep my withdrawals at 4%, that's six. That's $60,000, 4% on, on 1.5. This isn't, this isn't rocket science. If she needs his 40,000, see what a lot of people do is they go, well, I, I have insurance. Well, is it enough? Have you run the numbers? Do you, do you know? Most don't know. Uh, so if she needs all of his 40000 that was even easier. Uh, that means uh, putting a check in an account that's earning 7% uh, for a million dollars. That's my deposit. Thanks. Uh, sorry he died, but I'm, I'm going to miss him. I'm not going to miss his money. Thank you very much. Uh, I will deal with the emotions because I can afford to. But now I know that I need this 40000 and I can keep this $40,000 coming in, even though he had the nerve to go to heaven. Financially, it's a non-event. And then finally, it also looks at uh, the planning that we do. Are there children in the equation? And part of the question becomes, as parents, what do you want to be prepared to pay for the student's education for college? Is it a four-year institution? Is it private? Is it public? Are they going to be living at home? Uh, I have one couple where they said it will be responsible for one year at a private school. That was their line in the sand. And what Daniel and I have really observed over the years is the people who have done, we think the best job as parents of uh, really preparing for college costs is drawing a line in the sand, as opposed to those parents where we have witnessed so many of them listening to the kids going, well, it takes four years to get your GE, mom, dad. So, you know, you're just going to have to keep paying. And they go, okay, well, that's kind of dumb. How about you making it up like you made up your rules in your household in terms of what behavior was acceptable, what your timeout was, and when you need to be home, uh, identify in advance what are we going to be responsible for and how many different ways can we find ways of paying for this college or having the colleges pay for college as we've had on this show a person who does that work but the question is how much are the parents going to be responsible for and to the extent that you meet that goal you're satisfied at the end of the day to the extent that the kids uh, graduate we all want to be at the graduation crying our eyes out they finish and nobody has any debt for us that's the most that's the way to play the game. And it, it is so much fun. It's, it's really satisfying to know that you're not saddled with $80,000, $100,000 worth of debt that you just can't make go away. And it just uh, hinders your activities as the now adult the student was, where they're looking at how can I possibly get married? How can I possibly buy a house? You must be kidding about having kids when I'm carrying all this debt around, which just uh, makes my life mm, certainly not more pleasant. It means that I've got this... Uh, 
cross to bear. We'll leave it there, folks. We'll be back here right next week. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest